Blessed be the name of the Lord, and we've had a blessed day so far. All across uh, America this weekend, uh, people are enjoying some time off, and they're getting some time to do some things maybe they haven't been able to do much of uh, in a very busy spring. It's the official start of the summer, and uh, this weekend, uh, Americans are celebrating with picnics and cookouts and beach getaways and sales. So be careful of spending too much time on Amazon or in that prehistoric uh, blast from the past, the shopping mall. You want to be careful, you know, about that. Memorial Day, however, really commemorates the uh, U.S. men and women who died in military service. For the most part, they died because they believed in something important to them and important to their families. Do you have anything in your life you really believe in? Do you have anything in your life you might even be willing to die for? Do you have something in your life that you're willing to truly sacrifice for on a continual basis in your life? This morning's uh, sermon title is Above All Else. You know, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of thinking through the years about what is most important. Above everything else, what is that like one thing? that I need to focus on, that, that me and my family need to embrace. What's that one most important thing? There are a lot of important things, but what really is most important? You can trace it back a long time, you know, through history. I think one of the most famous statements about this is from William Shakespeare himself. This above all, to thine own self, be true. And a lot of people have lived that out sort of as a mantra, as the most important thing as they shape their lives. Uh, Marie Curie, who was the only person to win two Nobel Prizes, one in uh, physics and one in chemistry, put it this way, we must have perseverance and above all, confidence in ourselves. Joyce Meyer says, above all, we must remember that worrying is totally useless. Isaac Asimov says, be yourself above all things. Never think you're not good enough yourself. On a, a more somber note, a uh, uh, Jewish politician and, uh, and political leader, Meir Khan, said, above all, it is not decency or goodness or gentleness that impresses the Middle East, it is strength. He was assassinated in November of 1980. One of our own uh, pretty famous political figures, Ronald Reagan, put it this way. Above all, we must realize that no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. And in the Old Testament, Solomon described as the wisest man, wisest human who ever lived, on reflecting on things that he'd written earlier about uh, there's a way that seems right to somebody but that way its end is in death and as he thought about the prophet Jeremiah as he said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt just reflecting on this uh, this idea even though we're created in the image of God and full of goodness we do have a tendency you know for our heart to veer off he said in Proverbs chapter 4 24 above all else guard your heart for from it flow the wellsprings of life 
These are all some really good thoughts. For the committed Christian, you know, there are multiple things that we feel strongly about and sometimes feel that are most important and actually are biblical imperatives. Above all else, evangelize the world. Above all else, feed the poor. Above all else, watch your life and doctrine carefully. And all of these things are spot on, they're important, they're biblical imperatives, but they are not the most important thing. For that, as a Christian, we open Scripture, don't we? Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. All right, so uh, I hope, uh, hope you're really going to lock in and zero in here. The greatest challenge this morning that some of you are going to have is to feel like, I've actually heard all of this before. That is going to be your great challenge for the next few minutes. I, I want to encourage you, in fact, I'd say I want to admonish you, forget that and decide to listen with all of your heart for the next few minutes about what does God say is above everything else in my life the most important thing. Beginning in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Kelly and I got to be a part of a wedding yesterday. Uh, David Gaskell and, uh, and, and Deborah Bazard got married, you know. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a very cute, interesting couple, you know, no doubt if you know them. And, uh, you know, both uh, David and Deb uh, are disciples. They were married to disciples. Tragically, their uh, disciples uh, passed away, went on to be with the Lord. And uh, they lived as, as a single disciple for many years, and God led them to each other. And it was a beautiful, very intimate family, you know, affair. And they wanted it simple, and we focused on one passage in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians 13 that has been worn out by weddings, Christian weddings, over the years. And it simply tells us that faith, hope, and love are most important, but the greatest of these is love. So I've been meditating on that. I've actually been meditating on Jeff's sermon of a couple of weeks ago where he focused in on the book of Titus and where the imperative for the church, the practical outliving of this, was to be eager and devoted to doing what is good. You remember the sermon, okay? And you got Titus to help, help, help remind you. Well, it's, uh, you know, this is an interesting point. Is love truly the greatest commodity in the world? Is it the summum bonum of life? Is, is it really love? There have been so many poems written about love, so many songs about love. Back in the 60s, old timers, do you, do you remember, you know, what the world needs is love, sweet love. All right, we can stop, we can stop right there. Ethan Palace were not, but we do have some muscle memory on those songs that click into gear. And then we drifted into the 70s, and the Beatles came on the, the, the scene, and it was, it was, all you need is love. Da, 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 da. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. You want to keep going, or is that point enough? I mean, all right, yeah. But you know, that's, you can kind of think like, okay, yeah, I get that. It makes a good song. 
When I became a disciple in college, this was, uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago, and um, it, this was a new world for me, walking in and hanging out with you guys. And the th it was a new world for me studying the Bible. And when I sat down with the Bible, because I wasn't a church guy, I came once, didn't like it, but got in some Bible study. And there I discovered Jesus. It's amazing. And there I discovered what, what a real purpose in life is. And what the mission of life is. And the greatest person who ever lived, who could be a hero, who could be worthy of my attention. And maybe even, you know, a following. And so I became a Christian and I, I got baptized into Christ at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, one, one early Thursday. And, and, uh, and then I came to church again for my second time. And they actually had gotten worse. They were more loving than they were the first time I was there. And now that I got baptized, everybody wanted to come up and, and hug me. Okay? Which was another totally different world, you know, for me. And I was a little bit, I get commitment, I get mission, I get trying to live a life of integrity, I get, you know, I get all of that, but this is kind of chick flickish. I mean, a little bit of this, you know, all, it just seemed soft, okay, to me where I was, where I was coming from. Obviously, I had not studied that much of the Bible, all right? And, and so, but as I went along, and I, you know, and you may have that experience, you know, here, because if you keep coming to church, be careful, you're likely to get hugged around here. Now, it may start easy. They may start easing up your arm and your shoulder, you know, and getting, you know, up there. Okay? But, and it wasn't just the physical, like, hug. It was, it was the, the warmth. It was the expressiveness. It was a little ooey-gooey, okay? It was a little too much in your face. It was, a, you know, and uh, that, that was, uh, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Because I got the fact that whatever you did in life, you needed to go for it. I didn't get the fact and I hadn't studied the Bible enough to know that above all else, the most important thing to do once you've been baptized and you've resolved this issue of who's going to be the Lord and controller of your life is to start loving everything in sight. To love deeply the people that are around you and to learn how to do that in a practical way in, uh, in our lives. I'm not the only one that's had that experience. And as we go into Colossians chapter 3, let's keep reading. This was uh, the verse that uh, Deb wanted me to read, Deb Rizard, last uh, or yesterday in the sermon. And here it, it's put again pretty succinctly. After saying in verse 1 through 4 that since then you've been raised with Christ, just like Matthew was eventually raised with Christ, you know, up out of those waters of baptism, he said, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, for you died when you died with Christ in baptism. You died in your true life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then the rest of the chapter is about, okay, where do we go from here and what do you do next? We get down to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen one, fully loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Have you ever had a complaint against somebody in the church? If anybody has a complaint against each other, forgive just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Above all, put on what? Love that perfectly bonds everyone in unity there we go again and then in first corinthians you know obviously 
the greatest of these is, is love. This is very important. This is why you need to not go on autopilot here. When we start talking about what's most important, what is the greatest thing, what is the greatest pursuit of your life, you know, right now? When the Bible chooses to define God in its purest and its clearest and simplest form, when God wants to define himself, what does it say? God is love. Now, God's a lot of things, but the Bible does not point to the one supreme characteristic of God that he wants us to consider. It is not his justice. Is God just? You bet. But that's not it. It's not his omnipotence. Is God all-powerful? You bet. It's not his omniscience. Does he know everything? A little bit frightening, but you bet. But that's not what the Bible, the Scripture, chooses to focus on when he's trying to explain God to us, his, his, his primary characteristic and the one we should attend ourselves to focus on because what we focus on in life is what we eventually become. It is, in fact, love. God is love. And then Jesus, I mean, he just put it this way. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my true followers, disciples, because you what? Love each other. How? As I have loved you. Now, when we go into a little bit deeper into 1 Corinthians in just a moment, and you see as he breaks down some of those characteristics of love, you could almost picture like the Apostle Paul sitting there, he's about to write what is called by many the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. Some people think it's the greatest chapter in all of written literature. And he's getting ready because he's been in the midst in Corinthians of a lot of stuff. Anybody read 1 Corinthians? Up to that point, it's everything that's wrong with the church and what do we need to do to fix it? Then all of a sudden, you start getting into chapter 13. And it's almost like the mood changes, the music starts playing, and he's picturing Jesus sitting in front of him as he's painting a portrait of love. And when it says, Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you, it's like he's looking at him and he's describing him in these words. It's a very powerful, it's a very moving thing. And it's important, you know, for us to take a look at this, you know, for a fresh look. The standard of love for a follower of Jesus is him, right? It's Jesus. And love, you're going to see here as we, we wind through this, it, it's something you can notice. It's something you can see. It's not just abstract. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a philosophy. It's something you can notice, see, put your eyes on. That's what Jesus said. People will know when they see that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, now time to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay, here we go. We're going to start reading. Okay, this is, this is, this is the deal. When, you, when, you, uh, when we do this, we've got a short amount of time. The only way you really get this whether it's this or what Jeff preached on a couple of weeks ago, is you get the Bible open and you marinate yourself in it. Okay, you just take the time to let it 
get into your heart and change you and create faith and by the Holy Spirit start making a beautiful recipe up inside of you okay but at least let me give you some things as you continue to read this you know what you can focus on and realize here we go if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love I'm only a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love I am nothing if I give all I possess to the poor if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body the hardship I get I really hope that's not what the sermon has sounded like so far to you. Because somehow I'm delivering it in a way that's unloving, that's unkind, that's harsh, you know, that is accusatory, because it doesn't matter how great this worship is, how great a sermon it is, our great wisdom as we dispense it to our children or our husband or our wife. If it's not delivered with agape love, that's what it sounds like. Stephen, you can go back and take a seat because I've got to get through this. Thing, okay? Back in verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy, and Corinthians were all about gifts, and what's more, most important in my role in the church, etc., etc. If I have the gift of prophecy, and i got all this wisdom, can fathom all knowledge, if I have the faith that can move a mountain, but I do not have love, I'm what? I'm nothing. Okay, if you're comfortable with that, you know, look over the person next to you. And in a real sweet way, <laughs> notice how lovely they are. You know, notice how spiritual they are. Think about all the good things they've done for you in your life. Think about, think about all of that. Now we'll pause for a minute. Okay, and now very sweetly say, you are nothing. Okay, back up here. Okay, back up here. So, if you choose to ignore what God says is most important, get used to hearing that. Because it will not be from what you saw the next verses, even if you gave your body to be burned and gave everything you had to the poor. But you didn't have love, you're looking at your Bible, you gain what? This treasure in heaven we talked about, that's waiting there, but yeah, you can be disqualified, okay, without, to the best of your ability, following Christ and living a life of love. Got your attention? Okay, and the Bible doesn't hit us with this on every sentence, okay, but he is making a point, okay, so please don't go there, oh yeah, I've heard this before, I think I'm already so loving, I mean, just ask me, you know, and, you know, I'll let you know. Let's keep reading in verse 4. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. 
it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Aren't you glad you got the Holy Spirit? Because that's, that's rough to be living that one out every day. And yeah, love is a fruit of the Spirit. First one that's listed, we do need to rely on God's Spirit. You guys know, you read Ephesians, you read Philippians. This is not a foreign concept. These kind of thinking about putting others before yourselves, it's the, it's the genesis of, of communion and dying on the cross and Jesus empty himself and become nothing. This is so, these are such beautiful, powerful things. And in a, in a Corinthian church where they were all about arguing, you know, hey, what's most important? Justice, tolerance, speaking in tongues, my personal freedom in Christ. They were all over that. And Paul had to stop them and say, you guys are so unloving. You got to be loving, you know, to each, you know, to each other. And, 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 and it's gone from the apostles arguing about who's the greatest to now they're over, as you can see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, they're now talking about who's the greatest leader and who's the greatest speaker. Are you old school? I like Peter, okay? You like something new and innovative with a new twist on it? I'm in Apollos' camp. Hey, how about like Paul? We need to be loyal to him because he helped plant the church and everything. I'm with Paul. And, and then, of course, the super spiritual, I'm with Jesus, okay? <laughs> right answer, but it can be said in an arrogant way, okay? They, they, they were all about this. And Paul has to stop in the tracks and say, gang, the answer to all of this stuff is, is love. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if you realize this, but we actually, you know, we actually, you know, do this. We actually do this in the church when the, uh, the staff, you know, and the leadership group, we get together. Uh, we're very thankful. We're very grateful for what God is doing and for each one of you and the part that you play is deeply sincere. We pray for you. We care. We just feel wonderful about being with you in this church family but when we get together generally as a staff in a leadership group the elders evangelists and other leaders we don't generally talk about how good things are going we generally say what's wrong and how can we fix it we really do we generally go who's hurting and how can we help we usually take most of the time to say where is the christian world off in doctrine and how can we help address it when we, we get together, we think about, well, what's off in the world and, and how can, what can we do to help change the world? Well, the answer is love is the answer. Practically applying love. You got a problem in your marriage? Love is the answer. You want a better husband? Love the one you got, you know? Love is the answer. You want a better parent? If you want your mom and dad to be better, what should you do? Love that mom or dad, okay? You want, you want your kids to be better? Love, you know, those kids. You want the people at work to be nicer to you? Love them. I remember when I was like, this is back in 1972, and I, you know, um, 1974. I graduated from college, and I, wa I wanted to stay and hang around the, the, the ministry and get trained. Because I was thinking, I want to go out and be a campus minister. And I definitely want to have Kelly get her attention and get her married to me and uh, so I need to hang around here a little bit more okay and so I got a job I got a construction job I went out and that was a job that paid the most money and I bought a hard hat and got a, a, a union you know uh, became a member of the union and would run over to this uh, site at Santa Fe Community College every morning at 7 in the morning and have my lunch in a, in a hard hat and ask for a job and they say no you can't have one I'd come back the next morning no you can't have one finally on Friday they said this guy's wearing us out, go take a job. Okay, and so I started working for these guys. I was like, you know, like the only kind of college kid type guy. I had long hair, you know, back then, 
And they call me the cotton hippie because I got fair skin. You know, and, and so, hey, cotton, come over here and whatever. And uh, th these were rough guys. These were rough guys who knew what they're doing. And I didn't know what I was doing, okay? It became very clear. And then also, I was the little Christian boy. And they were, you know, at this college campus trying to build some new buildings. And, hey, Tom, hey, look at that. That's a good-looking one. Woo! You know, they're trying to get me, you know. You guys have been there, right? They're just working me. Okay, I had this one guy who was particularly rough. His name was Buddy. Sorry, sorry, Buddy Maleko, if you're here. His name was Buddy. He was tough. He was built like a fire hydrant. He had a crew cut. He cursed all the time, and he particularly did not like me. There was something about me he didn't like me, okay? And he would just complain about everything, and he'd curse at me, and he just... You know, all of this kind of, And so what I decided to do, I, maybe I got some counsel on this. Maybe it was just straight from the Lord. You give me an idea. And so I would start going up to Buddy every time at break time. We'd have a break about 10, you know, in the morning. I'd say, hey, Buddy, can I get you something to eat? And at first he was like, get out of here, kid. And then, and then I finally just brought him like a hamburger. And I'd bring him like, you know, a I, I'd, I'd do this for three or four days. He starts softening. And, you know, within a month, he's going, Hey, Tommy, come over, Cotton. You know, I mean, and he, he, and he's saying nice things. And, How you doing, man? Good to see you. And it was just Romans 12, overcoming evil with good, just loving people, you know. It works to love your wives, husbands. It works to love your husbands' wives. I, I just think a whole lot of us got to think a lot, you know, a lot more about this. Here, here, here's, uh, here's what I just want to put in your mind. Even in 1 Peter chapter 4 that we already read, when he talks about, above all else, love one another deeply, he goes right into verses 9 through 13 very practically. The next verse, verse 9, is offer hospitality to each other. Then he says, whatever gift that you have, use it to serve each other with all of your heart to 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 serve to volunteer without even being asked that would be the kind of you know thing that it is and so it was a very practical kind of thing it's like one of the my, my campus brothers in the 70s used to say hey show me some love with some skin on it you know and he meant give me something okay help me out you know in my situation in uh in first corinthians chapter uh, chapter 13 as you do your study i want to I want to point out something to you uh, if you're following along, you're still right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you're looking at verses 4 through 7. And he's going to go and he's going to break it down about love, about what love is. Now, now, here's something to remember. The Bible does not classically define love like we're used to definitions. Okay, it, 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 it describes love in action. Uh, because love isn't a feeling, it's not a construct, it's not an abstract, it's not a philosophy. Love is very real in the Bible, rooted in our actions. And here's the interesting thing. Every one of those qualities that you're going to look at, there are about 15 things. They're in 1 Corinthians chapter you know, 13, uh, 4, you know, and following. In your English Bible, they're going to be nouns or adjectives. You know, patience and kindness and, you know, those kinds of things. Okay, that's what it's going to be. In the original language, which is the Greek language, there are no nouns and there are no adjectives there. They are all verbs. Every one is a verb. And it denotes action. It denotes doing something. 
It denotes getting involved. And so like the very first one that we come to where it says love is patient or long-suffering. You know, this word macrothemia, okay? It's a word literally suffering long. And it's used throughout the Bible and it's many times in in the New Testament. And here's the interesting thing about uh, macrothemia. It's, it's, It's about patience with people. Not just events or the weather. You know, it's people. It's, it, it's suffering long. It's being willing to go through tough things, you know, with other people. When people get up, you know, when people do something that offends you, to not get angry, to not get easily irritated, you know, to, 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 to take the long view, to be able to reach out, to be able to love them, to forgive them. And you're going to see all the rest of these characteristics and qualities that will flow from the rest of chapter 13, they're going to be action items, they're going to be verbs, and they basically come under this idea of of patience and long-suffering and kindness. Being kind and being good to each other because God is good. And you look at this second attribute of kindness. This is what Jeff was talking about two weeks ago, about how Jesus went about doing good, and then how this emphasis in the Bible is being eager to do what is good. You remember? Eager to do what is in the best interest of the people around you. It's Philippians 2 all over again. But it's practical. And, and what, what, what we're being said in the church, you get a big church like this, what is so key is not just that we're into worshiping good and even sharing our faith and being good moms and dads, but that we're eager to, uh, to above all else, look for opportunities to give to people to serve people, to be eager to really do what is good. Love is kind. Love meets needs. Love heals wounds. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love waits patiently. Love endures anything. Love never retaliates. It only returns kindness. It's it's. God living inside of us. It's putting the other person in front of us to meet their needs. It's two hikers on a mountain trail that are walking along and there's a precipice on their right and there's solid rock formation you know, on their left and it's a small path. It's maybe a foot and a half wide and they come to each other on the trail and they don't know how to get by each other and they're kind of doing some calisthenics to try to figure out how to do that without falling off a cliff and if nothing's working and they're scratching their heads they try different things and then one without saying anything lies down on the path and the other walks across him and they solve the issue it's love it's kindness it's willing to get walked on sometimes if it's going to benefit somebody else. How important is all of this? Well, it just tells us if we got all that hot stuff in our life, speaking great, wisdom, knowledge, but we don't have love as described in verses 4 through 7, we're nothing, we gain nothing. We, I don't have a symbol, but you know, here's what it sounds like to God. not so beautiful that is how important 
Love is. Sink it in. Dig on it. Challenge yourself with it. Pray about it. Thank God you're more loving than you were before you became a disciple. But be willing to make this your aim. The takeaways, simple verses. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, if you kept on reading, it would simply say, pursue love. Here's the takeaway. Pursue love. Variously translated, make love your highest aim. Make love your, your, your goal. Pursue. Go after it. Give it everything you got. Go for being the most loving person you can. Amen? That's takeaway one. Takeaway two, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 through 14. Do everything in faith. Be men of courage. Do everything in love. Love everything in sight. We'll break up in a minute. Start loving people around you at your own pace with your own personality. Look for ways to serve at the barbecue. Look for ways to pray for other people. Look for any and every way that you can grow in love, that every action be in love. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, 6, our last takeaway, you know, above all else, love each other deeply because love does cover a multitude of sins. We're going to close this uh, service this morning by standing up and singing the greatest command. Let's all stand. And as the worship team's coming up to lead us, let's remember love is in fact the answer. This Memorial Day, remember above all else, love one another deeply. Love does cover a multitude of sins. Give your heart and give the very best part of you to the greatest command. Love everything in sight with all your heart and all our soul and all our mind and strength. Love God, love people, and we will change the world one day of love at a time. Happy Memorial Day, and don't forget to remember.